You can find more episodes of Your Thoughts Podcast at yourthoughts.com. Um, we are on Spotify, Apple. Uh, support our Patreon. You can support all sorts of different content through Aggregate Perspective. Um, I, I do music, the podcast, all different kinds of art. So support the Patreon. That will directly support the podcast. Um, editing costs cost a lot. So please help out. Like us on Facebook, on Twitter, Your Thoughts Pod. Uh, I have an Instagram. It's iPods are gross. I don't post as much there, but I do occasionally post podcast related content there. Thank you for watching. Hello and welcome to Your Thoughts Podcast. I have my co-host here today. Yes, this is Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and I have my guests, Jimmy and Brittany. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Pretty good, yes. Got and her baby here too. Guest. Yes, special guest. Baby Arky. <laughs> yes, baby Arky. <laughs> this is a long uh, this is a long time in the making to put a little bit of background for everybody. For real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we had a like a four hour debate at a coffee shop forever ago. Yeah, before the world ended. Uh, <laughs> a year and five months now. Oh, much. look at you keeping track. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, uh, we've been uh, we've known each other for quite some time now. Uh, we have a regular group discussion that we have been going on for longer than before the... The three of us have known each other since probably junior high, right? Yeah. I'd say that's about yes. accurate. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Dating ourselves. Um, so... The dark times. <laughs> the darkest times. And uh, this is uh, something we've wanted to do and have these two on for a long time now. And it's happening. So... Well, we appreciate coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. It's always fun to talk with you all, so having it recorded and sent out for a few people to listen to, other than ourselves, is nice. Especially the police. Yeah, yeah. you know. Why so, did I bring uh, them up? I, I don't know. It's just, it might have something to do with the topic. No, that can't be. No? Oh, yeah, because okay. it's actually, no. no oh, I, don't wait, know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> We're going to learn. We're going to learn Guess today. we'll find out. <laughs> so, Jimmy and Brittany, as uh, the guests of Your Thoughts podcast today, what would you like to talk about? Um, I mean, first thing that came to my mind when you offered the, uh, the spot was anarchism and why it's the solution. It's the solution. Yeah. So, like, uh, what great cleaner? Like, are we looking like more of like a Clorox or? <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that brand. <laughs> Anarchism. Try it at home now. Better than 409. But, uh, no. So a, a lot of people think of like worst case scenario anarchism as you know people kind of taking power and and using weapons and stuff to force others to either do whatever it is that they want to do or take their stuff from them or you know just in general control them but you know when you take a second and you really think about uh, worst case scenario of anarchism is basically any government that's happening now when you think of uh, you know, when you think of them using force for getting what they want, stealing things from you, you look at taxes. I mean, how many of us really want to have our money going towards bombing people in the Middle East? How many of us want our money going towards things that are clearly frivolous, like the F-35? And so, you know, when, when you really take a step back and you look at how governments operate, they kind of operate at the worst case scenario for most anarchist uh, philosophy. Okay. So... so um just a, a overview i guess like just studying anarchy as much as i could within this past week <laughs> not deep Learning enough on the fly here. yeah <laughs> just cramming the sense that i got was that there are a lot of different strains of uh, anarchism 
Absolutely. Um, you have a lot of uh, a lot of similarity with individualist anarchism is kind of uh, what most people know as the Libertarian Party right now. Uh, that would be the, the people that um, are more focused on individual rights. They're focused on getting government abolished and uh, working towards um, more freedoms for themselves. Uh, then you have other people on the left that are a little bit more focused on um, things like societal rights. <laughs> My favorite talk. Babe Arky. Babe Arky. Uh, <laughs> but you have, uh, you know, you have other people on the left that are working more towards societal issues uh, and societal freedoms, and they're looking towards, you know, how how can people be uh, in, insured their rights as opposed to just a single person. Um, and uh, you know, then you have people that kind of sit in the middle, and it's more of a diversity of tactics, in my opinion. You need, you know, you need all branches of, of anarchism to really get a well-rounded picture because if you have people so focused on everything else on, on not the individual then you can very quickly lose um, you know will of your people to, to continue that philosophy okay so obviously like all things there's a spectrum mm -hmm. so let's get a little bit closer and narrowing down with since you're the guest here you guys are the guests here uh, what do you define? What is the take that you take when it comes to anarchy, anarchism? Like, where is your stance on it, given that you've just laid out that there's several different blends? Yeah. So uh, for, for me, anarchy as a whole, um, what, you know, if you, for me, if you consider yourself an anarchist, you kind of hold these values regardless of where you sit on the spectrum. Um, generally speaking, you want um, minimal uh, intrusion from other people, and you, would, you want um, other people as well as yourself to be able to be free to do what it is that you please within reason. Um, you always you know, understand that even even the furthest right uh, libertarian is going to understand that uh, that har harming other people is still inherently wrong, you know, and and agreeing on that is pretty much the basis of anarchy mm -hmm. is not allowing other people to harm others just because they can. That's how pretty much every anarchist looks at a government. They're yeah. harming people yeah. because they can, because they have the power or because they want to change and, and influence them in a certain way. Okay. So where is the uh, distinction between uh, American libertarianism? Because libertarianism globally is different. Um, American libertarianism and anarchism as a, as a philosophy, I guess. Whoa, 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 hold up. Did you just say outside of America? What, what? is this bullshit? Oh, right. They don't exist. <laughs> yeah, they not don't in, exist. Not in politics. What are you talking about? <laughs> outside of America. Get out of here with this. We will have international listeners. <laughs> so. the, uh, it's, it's interesting, actually, that, that you ask about that because libertarianism, uh, as we know it now, back from the 70s, um, took a lot of its philosophy from anarchism. And anarchism has been a philosophy that's been around for uh, centuries at this point. Um, it's, been, it's been talked about before that, but uh, I believe, I can't quote me here, uh, but I believe it was the 1800s that it was really first coined as a term um but uh i'm sorry um man i just lost my train of thought that's all good. Happens, that's it happens all good. every podcast so oh, yeah. some of what <laughs> i some of what i was seeing just like i was i was trying to do my best to like really understand anarchism as a philosophy so right. doing the historical research from where it came from where it deviated from like marxism and uh 
um, like French Revolution philosophy into like where it is today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Versus like libertarianism right. in America. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So like libertarianism took a lot of the a lot of the individual liberties that anarchism talks about. And unfortunately, it kind of forgot a little bit about the societal stuff, which everybody kind of picks and chooses where, where they find their... There's so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And so some people focus on some things, some people focus on others. But as a general rule, um, anarchism as a whole is, is and to use a term that is, is uh, uh, demonized, it's more radical than libertarianism. Anarchism takes libertarianism to its final conclusion of... If you want all of your freedoms all of the time, then it requires. Then this action. is what you need to do, right? Yeah, your rights in to an anarchist, your rights have responsibilities. No, it's not. I'm not saying that all libertarians don't think that or what have you, but right. as a general rule, that just tends to be the big um, change between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have. Uh, libertarians who are more focused on, like I said, personal freedoms, while anarchists are more focused on, in general, more focused on freedoms for everyone, even at the individual level. So that means that you do tend to have to be more responsible for yourself and for others. Okay. So, like, going back to, like, the uh, the conception of anarchism and everything like that, um, I'm going to be the layperson here today. Um, I went in completely blind, and all I know is the personal stereotypes of anarchism. So I'm sure we're going to dissolve some of those here today as well. But yeah, I'd like to start off in the beginning, because you said, you know, probably around the 1800s is really, like, when it started becoming a coin term and everything like that. Um, do we know the original... Um, I think it was before that. It may have been, yeah. Like I said, don't quote me on that for sure. So regardless of timeline then, uh, do we know where kind of like the beginnings of that philosophy come from, where they stem from? Did it come like, you know, people wanting to get out of feudalism and they wanted their own personal freedoms? There is a pretty uh, deep historical record of the, the, the uh, quoting of the term, the coining of the term, and then like how the philosophy... Um, with action has evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was like Russia and like Eastern uh, European, uh, I guess feudal feudal area. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, it, it stemmed more um, out of the the want for freedom as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it stemmed from just in general, and it it propagated in multiple locations, much like you know, like democracy, like like multiple forms of governments. You know, yeah. they they find their own ways and that's kind of how you get the the spectrum of it right is because then you find people that like i said are more focused on individual liberties or more focused on societal ones or more more focused on unionizing or things like that and then you know that's how you get especially like marxism marxism is huge on on uh the workers unionizing and 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 really getting their power that way (laughs) she agrees yeah enthusiastically (laughs) unions for the win Um, a lot of anarchism stemmed from uh, workers' rights movements. Okay. Because I was almost wondering, you know, like the way words and idioms have come about. Uh, you have, you know, people subjected to monarchy and we're like, you know, this is really shitty as a, as a one of the working people or maybe as a peasant. Maybe I want the exact opposite. The exact opposite couldn't be as bad, right? So monarchy, then anarchy, as we know in how terms work the overthrowing and so just like a, a general yeah. historical perspective was around the time that this term was uh coined and the philosophy started to really develop into 
uh, legitimate change. People were working like 12 hour days oh, yeah, in poverty. <laughs> next to their children. Starving. Yeah, yeah. yeah next to dying. their children. Yeah. Their children were dying before like age six. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's really incredible how quickly we forget where we get the luxuries that we have today. Because a lot of the the things that we take for granted and, and the losses and, yeah. to like lead up to it, mm-hmm. yeah, like even in our just in our our environment and capitalism that we're already trying to work against even today, mm-hmm. that's been a long time coming because that was you know that started all the way back to abolishing slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people want to say that 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 was something that you know every country went through it's something that you know is a scar on a lot of countries this and that but there were abolitionists that signed the declaration that were there you know for all the major events in american history and uh, they tend to get pushed to the wayside because that wasn't how america wanted to be founded right exactly just like uh, atheists historically there have always been atheists they mm-hmm. were just omitted because it didn't fit the cultural norm yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you have things that they, they squash it and, you know, the victors obviously write the history. And so they do what they can to eradicate those things because you can kill a person, but you can't kill an idea. And right. so the more you can, the more you can hide it, the easier it is to, to keep it, you know, unknown. Okay. So do we know of any forms or societies uh, that with this kind of thought and process philosophy has been used in or at least influenced majorly? Because, you know, I doubt that we can look at any society. I'm not sure. Again, layperson here. Uh, I'm not sure if we can look at any society and you'll be like, okay, this was an anarchist society or maybe it had an ethos or like heavy philosophical founding um, and took ideas and some tenets from it. Do you know of any kind of societies, any kind of peoples uh, throughout maybe even the informable, forming areas, Jesus, <laughs> uh, forming areas of what sounded like, you know, more Eastern Europe kind of thing from at least what Tyler said. Um, yeah, so um, it it it's still in the present day. Um, we have there. It's not necessarily a nation because other nations haven't recognized it. Um, but Catalonia is the most modern example. Uh, it's a it's a region in Spain, and they have multiple times actually declared their independence from Spain. Uh, they were successful for quite a while before World War Two, uh, and then the inevitable happened. The Germans came, uh, and that was a little bit. Um, passed after they after they invaded France, um, they were marching through Spain, and Catalonia is right on the border of France and Spain, and so they wiped them out. And um, once the Germans were defeated, and everything kind of started going back to more stability in in Europe, uh, Catalonia revolted again. And while the international stage hasn't recognized them as a nation, they are a society of people that do work together. Uh, just recently, I think it was um, late last year, uh, they actually all um, had a giant strike. All of Catalonia had a strike. The farmers blocked off the roads out of Catalonia. Oh, wow. Yeah, so people couldn't come in or out, and they just stayed there and, wow. and struck. And so, you know, they, they're... Um, there are there are modern day societies that do still work. The problem is is that when when governments see that they're working, it scares them because it, that means that they know they're outdated at this point. Right. Okay. So that's an interesting uh, thought that you brought up there because you know I talked to a few other people on the other sides of the political spectrum all over the place, and I've talked to a few communists that will also say like a similar thing. Like, you can't really say 
that communism has failed in a sense because we've never really had a chance to try or any kind of society that starts to begin and get a little bit going or even sometimes start to be successful. Next thing you know, capitalism will rush in and kind of either form a coup, which we see several times over. <laughs> all of South America. All of South America, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, In the it, Middle East. I the mean, Middle East, exactly. Were, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't the government that, that we wanted. Right. And so we decided that we can go in there and choose for them because mm-hmm. we're the land of the free. Yeah. But they can't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're free to choose between A and B. Right, yeah. Yeah, the illusion of choice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what, that's why I want to bring that up because I, I talked to a few people because uh, I'm like, okay, so surely, you know, if this was, I've, I've always been under the conviction of like, if this is a workable system, if it's a workable solution, we should see examples of it, right? Yeah. But, of course, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So historically, they don't, there they are. Don't. That was That's a prime example. Of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> historically, there are many examples of anarchists, uh, groups, or cities, or uh, communes developing, and then other governments squashing them. Yeah. Um, because it's... there was one that I heard um, in Ukraine around Soviet era that that was crushed by Russia. Yeah. And it's you. It's because it's in the government interest. It's in all governments' interest to crush any anarchist. So you know you have especially leftists. for that time period because they were very about expanding their territory. Yeah, and so you have leftists and and you know fascists working hand in hand because anarchism is a bigger threat to both than either one is to each other. Because at the end of the day, once people understand that anarchism really can work, once once just caring about your neighbor as opposed to caring about what some random person's doing across the ocean mm-hmm. it, once you start doing that more often we have less of these issues you know if if we stop caring about what governments are being ran in what countries then we don't need to have a, a military that's bigger than the next 11 combined yeah we're all in favor of demilitarization here oh yeah yeah i don't think that would be a hard sell here <laughs> yeah yeah, we don't have uh, too many strong, uh, favorable opinions to uh, militarizing the way we have been. Um, another another thing to bring up with uh, when it comes to this group here, we've also had a lot of conversations. This probably isn't the first one we've dipped in a little bit into this. Uh, I wanted to make clear, though, when it comes to this group specifically, we haven't always agreed on a lot of us stuff. If anything, we've probably disagreed more than I think we've agreed, honestly. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So um, I think it's important, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is this is one of those things that um, I am definitely more extreme on the on the <laughs> on the down of the spectrum for sure. But um, it's I thought I would be more opposed, but as I was learning, uh, like it it just kind of solidified my political perspective. I feel like <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of what I believe now developed out of these kinds of movements and uh, perspectives. Yeah, and and so it's surprising actually how much um, you know we can we can attribute towards anarchist movements or just freedom movements in general. Any sort of rights movement, it, to some degree, is a, at least a liberty movement, which helps guide towards anarchism. You know, you you have 
um, you know, you have all of the the forty hour work weeks. You have mm-hmm. child labor laws. Um, you know, the abolition of well, the abolition of yeah. slavery. The Thirteenth yeah, Amendment didn't actually abolish slavery. Yeah, we still we have slavery here today, amendment. guys. Yeah, we still it's still here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally says in the Thirteenth Amendment that in in cases of imprisonment, slavery is yeah. allowed. It's, I mean, it's it's hard to deny that slavery is allowed when it's literally written in our constitution, and it and it's only proven further. I think when we have what 20 I think I have it written here 20 like 5% of the population of of the world's prison population and only 4% of the actual like citizen population of the world and that's just incredible we have five times the amount of prisoners that we should have not that we should have prisoners to begin with and it's this whole industry in the US especially this this whole money making industry to keep people within that so that they can continue to either sustain itself or grow yeah, because you, because capitalism in and of itself requires infinite growth, mm-hmm. and so the easiest way to get infinite growth is to cut your your um, payments. You know, cut your yeah your costs, and so if or you can eliminate cut your competition, wages, which in this case would be the government-run um, prison systems, or the or worse, the privately owned ones. Yes. In right. which case, you can't cut your dollar or, anymore. No, than referring, <laughs> referring to the the private industries. Yeah, but the so I, I don't know if like if what would we do about that <laughs> about the prison system? Yeah, yeah it's because I want to because you did say something there interesting. I would like to circle back to that. I think I, if I heard you correctly, we shouldn't have prisoners. Oh, that's correct. I am, okay, I am a firm believer that imprisonment doesn't solve anything to me that's that that is in line with feudalism that is uh, throwing locking someone up and throwing them away into it throwing them away into a dungeon you know we've been doing that since people have been riding horses that's just not that's not something that's practical psychological influence of behavior doesn't happen in those kinds of environments right which and you could argue is the intention yeah, exactly. To right. increase yeah. recidivism and then perpetuate that cycle. Exactly. And that's the problem is that when when all you're doing is punishing somebody, they don't learn and they don't the things that cause them to do it aren't fixed. Mm-hmm. You know, a majority of the, of the crime that happens happens because of poverty. The crime that doesn't happen because of poverty generally happens in the heat of the moment. And that's somebody who either had a, a it's extremely premeditated and white collar and doesn't get notoriety exactly yeah unless it's like an extreme case like um bernie madoff or something right and in which cases like you could not even bernie madoff because how many people just get away with it how many people don't even get looked at and and that was that's the other point that i was going to say too is you know the prison system is all sorts of messed up if even going back to to all the way back to the people who are, are arresting people and throwing them away you have cops that can't solve murders at higher than a 50% rate and yeah and that's just the ones that are reported mm-hmm. how many missing people are actually dead right how many missing people do you know of not that you know of but like how many people that are missing are actually gone and those those murder files have never even been opened right right and, and there's clearly a percentage i'm not saying all yeah absolutely they're yeah. called cold cases yeah and but even still not even the ones that make it that far somebody that just doesn't have any friends or family and just yeah and is missing you know they didn't show up to work their boss filed a missing report 
hurt, and that was the last that anybody talked about it. Right? Those things happen, and and those and people die, and and it happens that way, and those don't even get reported. You know, when when you think of stereotypes, when you think of the stereotypical person that you, <laughs> when you think of the stereotypical person don't like stereotypes that can <laughs> that can that can hide a body or or get rid of one for you. You kind of think of a good old boy. You think of a southern guy that knows the sticks well, or you you know you think of you think of some guy that's just right across the border, north or south. Mm-hmm. You know you you think of you think of those people that the cops aren't going to look at though. A majority of the time, you think of the the white guy with the with the truck and that always has the tarp in it. Right. Tons of land that just doesn't really come into town that much. Yeah, and he's got tons of land, and you know there's car parts everywhere, and yeah, I mean you can literally see it in your head. And again, it's a stereotype, of course, but at the same time. The cops use stereotypes all the time. The cops are still stereotyping, you know, who are they going to pull over? They don't pull over white guys to see if they have their papers. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they are Canadian, they don't care. Nope. It's just, it's, it is proven in the... They just wave you through the border checkpoints. Yeah, it's, it's proven in the statistics. It's as much as, as, as you want to deny that there is systemic racism, you can't deny it when, again, the 13th Amendment literally says it, mm-hmm. and that is, a, and that directly feeds into um, the the slave patrols becoming the cops yeah. that, that then lead their way into, you know, over-policing minorities because of racism, because of racist starting points. And then, even if, you know, you have a, you have a racist cop that, that comes in and does that, which most of the country um, did start off with racist cops. That's just yeah, a fact. That's just a fact. You, you can't you can't be taking slaves and and taking them back to people and not have at least an understanding that what you're doing is wrong, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, but, yeah, they, they think it's right, of course, yeah, but you know, at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so you have a lot of a lot of cities that started off with data that came from racist. Uh, starting points. They, you know, they were over policing. Cops are only ch- are only checking, you know, people of color because they didn't care about the white people. They were convinced that the white people were okay. It's the people of color that are causing these problems. Right. So they check them and they check them. And because that's the only people you're checking, that's the only people that you have stats for. Is tribalism and us versus mm-hmm. them mentality, and the us is good and the them is bad. Yeah, if you, especially if you want to look at, like, you know, just the systemic racism of, hey, you know, the white people can't be doing this. It must be all the, the colored people. I mean, just look at the um, illegalization of marijuana and everything like that right there from the beginning. Um, it was something that, you know, oh, no, it was always just, you know, the people of color doing this kind of stuff. But once it started becoming more popular amongst the white population, outlawed. <laughs> right. like, so. That was a combination of two different elements. It was a, a capitalist society at work trying to eliminate a competitor in the paper industry and then uh, legislation that could also uh, based on like racial uh, terms um, imprison Mexicans and black people. Well, in, 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 in doing so, it terrorizes your people, and that is how most governments work is through, through propaganda. Yeah, well, through fear tactics, right? Is you listen to a cop not because you think the cop is right. You listen to the cop because he's got a taser, he's got spray, he's got you know pepper spray, he's got a gun, he's got an ass, he's got tons of things to hurt oh, you. Yeah. And how many things does he have on that tool belt to actually help you? Oh, Maybe yes. some gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> Those were for him. <laughs> the laws definitely upheld at the end of a gun. Yeah, when, yeah, you, when and, you are basically getting pulled over, you have someone that can legally kidnap you. You're kind of 
you're going to kind of do whatever. <laughs> exactly. Right. And that's the thing is, is they hold, they hold a monopoly of power mm. over us because when the first thing that people think when they see, you know, somebody assaulted a cop was, oh, that, that person did something wrong and they're trying to get away. Would for all you know, it's just as likely that the cop was doing something wrong, and they're just trying to get away. They're just trying to protect themselves, and so, you know, having those problems with and not being able to trust your police force means that you just shouldn't have it. If you can't trust the people enforcing the law to follow the law, then they're you're inherently going to cause problems. So, what does that look like within an anarchist system? When it comes to the law, the police force, what does that look like? Or do we have, you know, the, the stereotypes come to mind. Do we have just vigilante groups and hired hitmen and uh, bounty hunters, essentially? Like, these are all stereotypes, of so course, is, but I want to ask. What is life like without the police in an anarchist? Is it even a society? Or to like, your anarchist viewpoint. To your yeah. anarchist. Yeah, and so the thing that I think another misconception of anarchism is, is that anarchism is not about just like everybody doing their own thing it is a society still it's about not having hierarchy it's about not having somebody hold power over you to what extent do you mean not having hierarchy so like some naturally develop especially like when you study biology you see like there is hierarchy that does develop um it just naturally with it. Yeah. And I would agree that in biology that you do, but I think that we've evolved far past biology considering, you know, we don't, our sick and dying don't get eaten by lions. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't just generally in general, we have so many fewer diseases and so many fewer ways to die. We have the life expectancy has increased so far that a majority of people that a majority of people die in, in accidents or of old age. It's not due to sickness. It's not due to like a major like limb loss or something like that. I guess that would be an accident. It's well, not due to a major disease well, or something like that. I would like say so, like heart disease is one of the the leading causes of death in America. Or, yeah, in America. In America. In America. In America. That's right. And what? So, what again? I have no concept of global statistics <laughs> for health. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not like the the world is doing great in health, but I, we are. We're horrible. doing objectively better. We're doing though. horrible when it comes to our our physical health, and that has to do with with health. Healthcare. And so I'll use healthcare as a little bit of a stepping stone because, you know, you can still have a society in anarchism, and this is one of those ways. Um, a, a typical, you know, let's say that in a typical day uh, in an anarchist society, I'm working in a kitchen because that's what I love to do, and I cut myself. Well, I should just be able to go down to the doctor and go, hey, I cut myself. And he goes, okay. He wraps it up, fixes it for me, and I go on my way. I can go right back to work. He doesn't get paid, and I don't have to pay anything. But he also comes down to my restaurant and gets his meals that he eats, you know, once a week or twice a week or what have you. Okay. And, you know, and the guy that, that fixes my car, same thing. He's coming in too, right? That's how you build a society. You build a society by helping each other. You do what you can and you do what you're best at and you help others around you that can't do that thing. And so, you know, because even, even though... you don't want to? Uh, and so here, that's the thing, right? Is that that's the that's a part of being a part of the society. Is in anarchism, even though you have no hierarchy, that doesn't mean that you don't still have an agreement that you can have with somebody else. You can still have a free market in an anarchist society, because I can still decide. I have, you know, I have bees, and I want to sell my, or I want to give my honey, and or sell it, and and I want to trade it for things. So I have a booth that I have all my honey out at, and right. somebody says, hey, I, I just slaughtered my cow. I have a few steaks. 
steaks. Um, you know, I'll give you a pound of steaks for a jar of honey. Sounds good. Now I have steak. You know, and it works a lot like a lot like trade did back back before money, but uh, bartering. Yeah, and and money. Money is a great concept for developing, but now that we've developed as a society, we don't need that as, as a way of commerce anymore. I mean, it doesn't even really mean anything when you have a man that has three quarters of a trillion dollars and people that can't eat. That's, money has no value in that sense because if a man can hoard that much of what should be able to buy him food and somebody else is starving, that's inherently wrong, right? I mean, that is, to me, that... Right. Is... Our mode of production has surpassed the the need that we have for the products that we produce. Yeah. it's um, There was a quote, and I can't remember who, who said it anymore, but we don't have a food shortage problem. We don't have an issue with making food on Earth. We have plenty Anything, of it. Anything, really. But we can't get it places because we're holding it back we we want money for it we want things for it so people starve because uh, people who make the food or the people really who control the people that make the food have decided they don't deserve it because they don't make enough and when you live in a society that says you have to produce or you're worthless then you're proving to everybody that you don't think their life has inherent value my initial um exposure to anarchism was actually in sociology in college um oh these damn colleges teaching our kids <laughs> these, ideas, these social these sciences liberals. oh god <laughs> i didn't even go to college what did that oh gosh <laughs> community college <laughs> Fair. Dang it. Dang it. um I, I was doing a report on uh dumpster diving and mm. the like the whole subculture around that and it taught me about how so many grocery stores just throw out products and they do that because there is a liability exposure that they may have for providing people with food that is past the expiration date but that does not mean that the food is actually bad it just means that there's like a sell-by date and people will go dumpster diving and uh, these stores have put locks on their dumpsters yeah. to limit people from getting the stuff. We have locks on dumpsters and spikes on chairs or park benches. Yeah, <laughs> removal of benches in general. Yeah, yeah, I've seen reports of bleach being poured on trash. Yep, poisons that, and yeah, we're burning yeah. it too. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when we get to the point where we're destroying things that people need, yeah, and we're just so they can't it. get it. Yeah. That's, I mean, how do you not see that the system is flawed there? There needs to be a radical change. There needs to be something that, that is inherently different. Because even like 30,000 years ago, I think it's like 26 or 28,000 years ago, um, there, the, there was a, a young man who had a broken foot. And there's clear signs of it being repaired when archaeologists dug them up. You can see that the, the foot had been repaired. Any animal, and that's what we were, I mean, we still are, but that's what we were especially back then. We were on the food chain. Yeah, you're you're done. If your foot is broken, you're done. Yeah. Any animal that that uses legs to to travel and it's if, broken. It's yeah, dead. and it's broken. You're basically just food for the next the next predator. Yeah. And so the fact that he had mended bones proves that there were other people taking care of this person who could not provide for the community in any way, shape, or form. So you could still have a, a society, and you can still progress and and have you know, uh, prosperous people while still taking care of the people who can't take care of themselves. So uh, a uh, 
conception that people have when they hear anarchism is that anarchism is, and this this is something that anarchists say, is elimination of the state, mm-hmm. and the state perpetuates capitalism. So what... Hold up. You got to define those terms there, bud. <laughs> so, so like the state, because I mean, you can have a state that's communist, and you can have a state that's you know, right, of other political affiliation. But anarchism in general does rebuke any sort of government. So well, any state in general. Yeah, and that's what, so. And the state in general can can be called a government for any layperson. Yeah. That's basically what it is. It's it's uh, the state is what anarchists call any form of government that uses specifically that uses force. Okay. Uh, um, so you can still have, like I said, you can still have bodies of people like, you know, like uh, you have people that work in restaurants and those people are going to be the ones that probably best know, you know, your, your food safety standards. So they're going to be the one in your community. You can have the people who are running the businesses decide these are the temperatures that we think the meat should be set at. This is the, you know, this is the, the concentration of bleach that you should have in your cleaner. This is, you know, how big your exit doors should be. This is how many fire escapes you should have these are things that 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 when you're working as a community with the intent to better the community you can come to good solutions it's when you don't have it's when people come in with their personal interests in mind as opposed to um the society's interests in mind that you start to have problems and that is always going to happen and you're always going to run into those issues but aren't there always going to be people even within anarchist societies who don't want those rules enforced because it infringes on their ability to operate their business how they want. Oh, so like you're like maybe uh, taking it to the extreme. Well, like you, I mean, there are definitely people like that though. Oh right. Oh yeah, of course. Like we we're all on a spectrum of people when it comes to you know doing things, and we have our outliers in society. And that was one thing I was going to bring up, like in in kind of symmetry with that is. Uh, if you have people that just, you know, don't want to partake yeah. or we just have people that are just dickheads and they don't want to do anything and they're just like, you know, you got Dave down the street. Well, having, he doesn't work. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't want to contribute to society. What do you do? Things like a fire escape or health codes could be viewed as enforcement of a regulation by an authority. And isn't the whole premise to not have that hierarchy of authority in general? And so I, I get what you're saying because then you have pressures from the other people that are that are there, right? Well, the the other thing that you have to understand as well is that in a society like this, it doesn't cost money. It doesn't cost resources for you to move either. So if and when the society starts moving in a direction that you don't want it to anymore, you can find a different society, especially in, in the day and age that we have today where we're so interconnected with the internet. You know, it's not like that's going to go away. People are going to want the internet to stay around. Yeah, hopefully so, not. You know, well, people are going to want the internet to stay around. You have, yeah. I mean, look at, look at how many people you have that mod video games for free. Look at how many people that, you know, that do, do patches on internet websites. And, oh, yeah. There's a lot of open source um, uh, things as well, which could be viewed as like a, a, a form of anarchism, having like open source um, software Absolutely. or... Um, Software is the only thing. I want to download music for free via LimeWire, and I'm going <laughs> to give my computer AIDS. But, so. <laughs> would it, but would it be a problem though if musicians didn't have to sell their the, sell their art just to live? As a musician, no, it would not. <laughs> the problem is that I do have to do that to sustain myself. Exactly. So I have a day job now. So, exactly, and that's the thing, right? Is that in an, in a society like that, if 
all of your needs are covered because your neighbors are making sure you're not starving to death. I or, need healthcare and right. food and a place to live. Right. And so as long as your neighbors make sure your house is staying up and you make sure your neighbor's house is staying up and the doctor around is making sure that you stay alive and you're making sure the doctor stays alive, where's the problem with, with anything happening like that, right? Because then what if what if Dave does just want to sit there for the rest of his life? Yeah, I was going to ask. Like, Who, yeah. Who's to say that that's not allowed? Why, why is that such a bad thing? It's not like... When you really look at humans, humans in general, animals, they like to be productive. Mm-hmm. Humans enjoy being productive. Even even at the most base level, we enjoy creating things. And, so, and helping people. We, right. we also inherently like doing that. Yeah, and so, okay, if, if Dave does just want to sit there on his butt for his entire life and do nothing... How much does he really detract from the rest of society? Now, you can extrapolate and go, well, what if everybody does? Well, not necessarily everybody, but what happens when we have, like, a decent em- enough uh, of a population size? Not not significantly huge, but, you know, enough, let's even say that, you know, we're in a smaller community. And maybe, and maybe 10, 10% of this community, just 10%, not a whole lot. Um, let's even just give a number of, like, you know, 500 people. Yeah. And, like, a 10% of this population that just doesn't <laughs> that just doesn't want to do anything and just on the laws of statistics you know maybe it's somewhere around there it's probably lower it's probably yeah. like when you actually look at human psychology it's probably way less than that i have no idea i'm not a psychologist uh but just for the sake of the argument like is is there kind of a solution because that obviously has to be a problem at certain point we're like okay we don't <laughs> we don't have enough people that need to contribute what is the incentive to get those people to contribute? Um, so I think that other than beating them up, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that I think that um, I, personally, I truly do think that it's overstated. That people think that others are just lazy. I oh, mean, absolutely. If you want, if you want yeah. to, at, you know, if you want to look at the the amount of the amount of people that worked their hardest to survive through this pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, that was a time where capitalism failed, the government failed. For all intents and purposes, for the past year, we've been living under anarchy and it hasn't completely crumbled. You know, we weren't allowed to do the prosperous things that anarchy can can allow for because the government is still being oppressive in the sense of the protests weren't as effective as they could have been because, you know, police brutality, police brutality protests are being, um, you know, answered by more police brutality that kind of, you know, doesn't breed uh, uh, progression mm-hmm. and so but even still you still have people that were doing what they could to help their community how many how many GoFundMes were there that's anarchy right there that's that's people helping other people that they don't even know couldn't so. you make the argument that that's also capitalism no because capitalism's capitalism's capitalism as a whole capitalism's ideology is holding capital it's having having something and using that something to gain a profit. From people it. are using their resources to fund something, though. But they're not. Isn't profiting. that the libertarian perspective that removal of the government is still there, but like people are using their money for something? You're talking about like charity, charity. Well, the concept of charity. Yeah, and, I think so. In um, capitalism, um, but it, sure. But I mean, we've had capitalism in America for 250 years now. How is that working out? We have 60-ish billionaires here. And it, it would cost, I think, what, like $20 billion to end homelessness in all of America. So, I mean, that's Bezos makes that in like four months. And so, I mean, if charity was really a thing that happens in capitalism, then why don't we see it? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there is a, a huge need for it, and it's so much so that the owner of GoFundMe literally said, "We're not supposed to be." Yeah, we're not a healthcare out. system. Yeah, we're not the yeah. healthcare <laughs> system. We're just supposed to be helping people out that need some help. So, so let me uh, kind of summarize and kind of understand where you're coming from with the answer. So, we have this community. We have maybe 10 percent of the population that just doesn't want to contribute, or at least doesn't contribute enough to where it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Basically, your idea, and correct me if I'm wrong here, or is it, wrong summarizing is uh other people will step in and maybe go above and beyond to make up for that lacking population and you have that but also you still have a democracy you know you can still have you can still have a group of people deciding i mean when look at even the most base level of a community you have a family right mm-hmm. and take away the hierarchy of a mom and dad take take that away and you know they're the kids are grown up and you're just talking about you know where everybody wants to go on on a family trip is it is it a government is it forcing somebody to go somewhere because five out of six wanted to go to Cancun and the other one wanted to go to Florida? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not. It's just that's what a majority of people wanted. And anytime you have more than one person doing something, you're not always going to agree. And so when you when you enter into a society, you you enter in understanding that it's not going to go 100% your way and you have to be willing to compromise. You can't go into a society expecting it to be your way or the highway. That's literally tyranny. <laughs> you know, and so going into an anarchist society without the understanding that you're going to need to compromise and you're going to need to find common ground then you're going in not as an anarchist. You're going in as somebody who does not either understand the concept or is going in in bad faith. So essentially, like, there there wouldn't be, like, a certain specific solution for that. It would take a community working together as a whole to deal with these individuals. Yeah, because I don't want to speak for any anarchist society, right? Because my decision may not be what another anarchist well, comes I, up I with. I want to make clear right. as well, this is your version of anarchy, so yeah, I wanted right. to, like, get your view on how this would be done. Right, but also, in my opinion, I wouldn't be the only anarchist in my society. So I would present, you know, I would present the idea of, you know, if it's... If it's not a significant problem, or if it's just something that we can remedy by a couple other people stepping up, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. I I would be the one that would be willing to step up personally, so I would be willing to have that as an idea, you know. But other people may come up with, you know, well, you know, I still think that they should have to do X, Y, or Z. You know, they they should come up with a list of things they are willing to do. Right. You there, know, some, there'd be some sort of agreement. Yeah. The, you know, there again, compromise. You just the, that's why you have a society. You get everybody to come together. You have a meeting. You talk about you know what what you think the best option is and then you vote on it and then you do something like a ranked choice voting so you have something a little bit closer to like real democracy and not what we have today wow so you're saying there's voting in anarchy like there's things that you can do outside of just chaos and burning and stuff yeah, like that yeah it's not that. just like mohawks and molotovs <laughs> it's not mad max what? all the time it's not i know not. it's sad i know I'm i lost i probably lost a few anarchists right now <laughs> I noticed that there's there's just a guy with like a headphones on right now with a huge punk punk uh, mohawk right now he takes off his his earmuffs dejectedly like I don't want to be an anarchist anymore. <laughs> Throughout uh, learning about anarchist philosophy in in general that that is the core misconception that that um, uh, violence is a core tenet of anarchism but that's just a means to an end and most anarchists don't really want violence. That's correct, and it, and it also uh, a lot of the violent anarchist stereotype comes from governments trying to propagandize. Yeah, trying to 
take out the government in a sense if you take it to the extreme of yeah. hey i want anarchy now that means this has to go right, there are historical so. historical examples of the government making it seem like anarchists were causing the violence as well like in chicago during i think it was like may day or so the mm-hmm. may day protest the haymarket protests I, I believe there was a bomb that was thrown that killed police officers and there were i think three people or maybe more that were uh tried and hanged and some of them weren't even there okay so this yeah. is a while ago if we're doing hangings yeah, okay yeah. okay so <laughs> but yeah it's it's um, i mean the propaganda against anarchism has oh, yeah. been long and 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 thorough um, really, you know, any a lot different, of, different kind of viewpoint. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, most most anarchism, most anarchist philosophy that you'll find, um, it it has the same kind of principle, but uh, it is something libertarianism has has adopted. Although I like this this principle is uh, the non-aggression principle. Mm-hmm. It's literally that you know you can do whatever it is that you like as long as there's no victim, right. and that goes back to the the whole not having any prisons. Every time I hear that, it makes me think of the Wiccan creed: "And if at harm none, do as you will." Yeah, yes, exactly. Absolutely. And that's you know Wiccan Wiccan culture is well, I should say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anarchism has again so many different roots that a lot of different places have a lot of those similar feelings. And you know, Wiccans were also oppressed severely by governments. And so, you know, that's kind of a natural progression when yeah. when that thing is oppressive to you, you naturally go, "Well, I don't want that thing anymore," yeah. and you kind of fall under the anarchist society. Um, but yeah, it's just when when there's no victim, there's been no crime. It, you know, somebody that wants to, to, you know, do drugs and then just pass out, or if they do drugs and something happens to them, at the end of the day, that was their choice. They know the risks. They understand what can happen using those drugs, and okay, use it. And then the, the next thing that people usually say is, well, what happens when they're high and they drive? Well, it's the same thing that happens when you drink and you drive. I mean, it's it's still wrong. You're still... At that point, you are now no longer being aggressive. Whether or not you actually successfully harm somebody uh, is uh, insignificant to to the non-aggression principle. So a question that came up that uh, I'm assuming somebody in the audience will have is if you eliminate the <laughs> structures, if you eliminate these structures to enforce authority, uh, i.e. the police, then how do you enforce people not drinking and driving? You have your society. I mean, you know your neighbors. You know you know the people that live well, around like what you. Does, and... What does that look like? Like a community enforcement kind of? Yeah, and so yeah. that's what I was going to so say. So we're all and just so... going to show up with pitchforks. <laughs> and we heard that you were drinking so and driving. Ben, you were drinking and driving last week, and you killed Jenny down the road. What say you? <laughs> I mean, society still has to have carrots and sticks no matter what kind of... If it's a society, that means that we have a social contract to get along in some kind of sense and we have to take care of one another in a sense right. it's just the the how does that go about how does that get executed and yet right. and then how do we not allow for things like witch trials in this kind of uh, government form yeah and so you know this is where you start getting really deep into into different philosophies but um you know generally as a rule you would have you know uh, the people in the society as a whole would vote on it much like anything else you would want to have a small enough society that this would be something that's relatively conducive towards you know a, a quick solution um, but you would want to at least have people be able to be a part of it, whether voluntarily or not. Um, and so, are we talking like the size of cities or smaller? Or... Um, and I think that this is 
I mean, I'd, I guess that's would, up yeah, for you'd a debate. Put some, yeah, a real pen to paper to, to figure something out like that. Are we building a society or are we just discussing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, for, for you know, community, community policing to work, you need to have people that um, have come together and have set a set of standards that they want in their, in their area. For lack of better rules they have, or for lack of better term, they want laws that, that people agree to. In that area, but the difference is, is that you have to agree to them. You know, you can. It's, it's different again in, uh, in society in this day and age because you can't just move to Oregon because you want to be able to smoke. You can't just you know move to to Spain because you like their government better. It's that costs a lot of money, and for a lot of people, that's just financially. Um, unfeasible. There's no possible way that they could reasonably get out of the state that they that they're born in, and so you tend to to come up to limitations like that that you wouldn't necessarily have in societies that are formed under anarchist philosophy, because if you don't like that society, you can just decide to leave and find another one that does more. Which is a pretty common conservative argument. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't like it, just leave. But uh, the problem with that whole concept is that is you the can't money just and the leave. cost. <laughs> Yeah. It may cost like a couple thousand dollars to move. Yeah, and, that's and then just... you also have to get like a driver's license in a different state by a certain time period, and like Fun now cars. you have to change your address. Right, and that's what I was just gonna say. That's you know that's just the monetary. That's not even including all of the bureaucracy that occurs as well. And then you need a job because you have to sustain yourself. Yep, and that's you know when when you have to spend a third of your life producing more than what you're getting paid for, anyways. And then you get to go home to recover just to go do that again. It's a very unsatisfying life. And when... It definitely is. Yeah. And when that's all that you are told and that you're told to just suck it up and and enjoy it, it's hard to not look for other options as well. Yes. So what is it that got you to decide on anarchism, libertarianism-esque? You know, just where, where... what is it that convinced you to go on that side of the political spectrum? So uh, my family's native. Uh, my my grandmother's mother was uh, was full blooded uh, Pueblo Native American, and she lived in New Mexico. And uh, the uh, the government came by and was just checking on, was doing the census, and. Um, we're going house to house and they ask the, the normal questions and they also ask what race you are. My grandma wasn't dumb. Or I should say my great grandma wasn't dumb and she knew that the people that were telling them that they were Native American were also being taken away. So she denied it and denied it and denied it. And because that was back in the day before computers and things like that, they kind of just it. had to go with it. Yeah, yeah they couldn't, they, she was just, con, she just continuously said, no, you have the wrong person, you have the wrong house. I'm not her, you know, I'm not native. That's not who I am, I'm Mexican. And so they finally believed her. Why was that better? Because they weren't putting Mexicans in, in reservations. Oh, okay. That's kind of, it's like the same. I'm guessing that's where your last name came from. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, Chavez is actually, uh, is, is still my family. We, um, my grandma and my grandpa are both. So the like man that, side, yeah, so the okay, man that my okay. grandma's mom di- uh, married was Mexican. And oh, his okay. last name is Chavez. So that's, yeah, that's the whole the whole thing. Uh, but my grandfather was also a Chavez too, which is interesting. There's a uh, lot of them out here. My, yeah. <laughs> uh, my yeah, wife so being one of them. Previously. <laughs> so she was, so she was Pueblo, and they were 
they were trying to take her land and they were lying to her about what they were right, doing in the exactly. first place. And if, if it wasn't for my, my great-grandmother being as intelligent as she was, she, my family would be on a reservation. Mm-hmm. And so when you grow up with that as your family story, yeah. you grow up understanding the government's never had your best interests in mind. Right. And so you always kind of grow, I've always kind of grown up understanding that the government is not the answer. Yeah, and that's, that's a true ethos for a lot of marginalized communities and mm-hmm. societies is that you generally tend to find the people that you know aren't always cool with the way things are going because they're not a cis white straight man that is benefiting from society yeah yeah (laughs) so we tend to be on other sides of political spectrum when it comes to that uh because of that very reason the the government has historically not had your best interest in mind exactly i mean that's literally for generations they've been you know actively attempting to oppress my entire family and so when when that's the society you grow up in when that's the when that's what everybody deems as okay you don't really have any other choice other than to look for something else right exactly tyler any thoughts expansions on that so it's it's interesting to me just because like i am a cis white male i i don't i don't like uh using the identity politics so yeah not everyone does and we get it yeah but yeah, I mean, that was just like you know those are the people who benefit from society right. i'm not i'm not offended or anything. i'm just saying that, yeah. but you can't deny that that is right. that those cis cis white males were the ones who wrote the laws who wrote the everything that yes, the, is the backbone yeah. of this country so yeah um it, it's just interesting to me because i did come to that same perspective but my family history is the, the polar opposite honestly like uh, people in the government all throughout my childhood and just like my come to anarchism was actually rebelling against that whole um philosophy because it just didn't add up to me like the military industrial complex and the war on terror and um police brutality and uh helping the poor and education and healthcare, like all of it just like it, it didn't seem like those interests aligned with uh, like being in favor of the government in general. Yeah, and that's you know that's it's good that people come to their con- come to the conclusion of anarchism in different ways, um, and it's it's nicer when it's when it doesn't have to come through you know personal tragedy and, it, and it's you know that's yeah i had the luxury of coming out of it out of just naivety and interest in rebelling against my parents but but that's you know that if i could if Honestly, i could make it that way i would love it if every single person that you know that came to that conclusion was that was the way you know it's just an unfortunate reality that uh that sometimes reality does get you know forced onto you from a very young age yeah. but even still you know I think that I think that uh, that the education system does a huge disservice on on American citizens specifically because they don't talk about how the left and the right aren't really left and right. They're like far right and, and slightly left, right. slightly yeah, slightly <laughs> left of far right. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I don't I don't think we go deep enough. Like when we have government, like I don't think we go deep enough into like. Uh, delineation of different political perspectives and all like the full spectrum oh, it's several just things like, yeah. several yeah. things i mean like i've been it's a fan just, of history since i've been a little kid and just it's even, like this is what we have nothing else matters yeah, a, a lot of our our teaching in our school system is a lot of propaganda honestly when it comes 
it's a history history and government is all propaganda because i remember uh very vividly when we got to the world war ii section and it's like you know talking about pearl harbor and everything like that it's only american perspective it's only american perspective and like i remember like telling the teacher and like telling other classmates like you know the japanese had a reason for doing this how we're blocking and starving their people with trade routes and everything like that they had to do something not not saying what they did is fine. I'm not saying that before someone thinks that way. <laughs> it's not that they didn't have a reason. It's yeah. not like they just went, uh, let's attack. Yeah, I always like I always want to tell people or that they weren't ferocious in their attacks either, like rape of Nan Nan King. Yeah. 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 But um a lot of what I will tell people when like they when someone throws out like I don't get why they think like that or I don't get how they got to that position. There's a reason why people believe the things they do and there's a reason why people do the things they do. Yeah. They have to be convinced. Well, I mean, yeah, they're usually not, <laughs> let's let's be honest here, something people just do some for stupid reasons. Well, people make generalizations as well, so the the assumption is that there is no reason they're just crazy or yeah but there is a there is a certain conclusion that that person came to in their mind when they decided to do something or believe something yeah everybody does things for their own personal logic even if you can't parse it out Mm -hmm. it made sense to them at the time and that's the thing that you have to also you know kind of look at as well is is when you when you look back at, at our history lessons that we get taught, and we're always the winners, we're always the good guys. We've never had a single mistake in our eighteen twelve. We're gonna skip over that yeah, Vietnam. We're gonna skip over that forty three presidents. Forty forty three. When I was going to school, we had forty three presidents that all were completely perfect. Yeah, all of the nineteen sixties. We're just gonna glaze yeah. over what happened yeah, there. You know, yeah. they're they're fine now. They're fine. The that 1920s. was all dealt with. Everything's okay yeah, now. Yeah, racism doesn't exist anymore. Prohibition. See, even the baby knows joke <laughs> and we see it on social media all the time people actually convinced that those things are true which is a tragic disservice and i think is in large part due to the education system we never really had the dueling actual perspective of this is what actually happened no we just had to put a little cherry on top and say america's the best <laughs> and that's you know and that kind of goes back to the whole why why governments don't like nationalism yeah exactly. but like you know why governments are are not always the solution for problems because that's another one of those where the education system can't be biased like that because then you have huge swaths of the population that don't ever go outside of what they were taught in high school don't ever look past what they were spoon-fed and so then they believe in you know america's always been great when like really we had like 20 cool years out of like the 250 <laughs> years that we've been around where we did some like cool shit in between the really messed up stuff that we did yeah. <laughs> like i think what is the world history the combined total i think there's seven years of world peace yeah <laughs> well and i mean since since uh, america was founded we've been in like something like a war every 20 years yeah so i mean it's and now one that's gone past 20 years yeah, yeah something that lasts it. that long yeah <laughs> You know, we're good at it. We're a warlike people. We just that's just what we do. And until we change that about how we view ourselves, until we change that about how the society It's the same thing though. Like it, it the requirement to change it is the removal of incentives. All these private institutions that are profiting off of selling weapons to other countries and uh extracting minerals from these countries, selling drugs, like we have to remove those incentives. Yeah, it's all profit motive. Yeah. And so once or you, power or 
territory. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's profit in different ways than right. It's not always monetary profit, yeah. but you know that's when when as long as we um, as long as we treat the world as a, a ball of capital, we're always going to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. It's and it's not that it is just as much a living creature as any one living being. There's so many things that we have already clearly messed up. And it's on us as a sentient species to remedy that stuff. And that's not something that you can have remedied with a, a profit motive. The profit motive doesn't, isn't going to get somebody to invest a million dollars in something that may give them an investment in t- or may give them a return in 10 years when they can invest a million dollars in gas right now and get it in, in you know 60 days. Yeah, and it's very clear that no one's done that because we would have had that by now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and you see it a little bit with the solar industry. You know, that's that industry is barely now becoming as as um, inexpensive as coal and, and gas. But the problem is the reason why coal and gas are even still competing is because of all of the, the tax money that the government gives them. And the suppression by those companies themselves like Shell. They knew in the 70s that there was a global impact to using fuel. Yeah. Or like the the building of the freeway Mm -hmm. system. We could have done a rail system that would have saved a lot of people a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah. And a lot of of square miles too. I mean, that's just, that's unusable land. And even if you were to, to dig all that stuff up, that's still, that's so much money and so much cost to, to fix what we've already so deeply broken now. And that all stemmed because again, as a capitalist society, we were the, the country that invented cars. And so we kind of became the nation of cars, just like Rome, all, all roads lead to Rome. We did basically the same thing, just instead of, you know, instead of horses and, and carriages, it was with cars. We've done a lot of similar things to Rome. Yeah, We've history, had that discussion before. Several times. Several History times. rhymes, it doesn't repeat. Thank you, Mark Twain. <laughs> or Samuel Clemens. Or whoever gets accredited with it. Well, no, no, it, it, his name is Samuel Clemens. Oh, Mark Twain you. is his pen name. So, um, sorry. I, I, like, I like Samuel Clemens. <laughs> um, so... I don't, I don't know where we're at on time right now. Um, we're at about an hour. I don't know if we want to continue. Like, do you have further questions? Um, I didn't I, prepare any questions. One I thing just I wanted to kind of, I kind of want to hear what's your elevator pitch for anarchy. You, you're, so the, the whole concept like, of an you, elevator pitch is that you find yourself in an elevator with a director and you really want a movie to be produced. You have a movie idea. So you have until this elevator is done going to pitch that movie idea to him. What's your mo- what's your movie pitch for Anarchy? Uh, all right, so my movie pitch for Anarchy. Oh man, uh, you have slowly like, closing door. Yeah, the door is slowly closing. He reaches <laughs> down and he hits the button. Yeah, so for me, Anarchy is the clear solution when you look at all of the faults of government. Um, all of the faults of government stem from the fact that um, people are trying to hold power over others. If we can get rid of that and we can get people to focus on helping others like we love to see in the news then uh, we could then we could change society to the way it needs to be okay there's a good clip right there for you tyler (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can definitely use that (laughs) um awesome uh britney is tending to the baby over there yes um but yeah last question i suppose we are at an hour so yeah so we gotta start wrapping up here yeah I'm um, not sure how we're doing on batteries. <laughs> <laughs> One of the cameras is gone. It's out.
Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So okay. So I don't even know if we can do this in a short amount of time. But like, what is the next step? How do we get to anything like? How do you start implementing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what um, what I always tell people to do at home is um, start a garden. It's really simple. It's really easy, and it's fun. Yeah, you have to accept that you're probably not going to be a green thumb your first couple of years. You're going to lose a lot of plants, but plant a bunch of different things. Anything that you that you can find, anything that you can think of. Um, if you don't have a lot of space, like if you live in, in a city in like a metro area, um, see if you can put one on the roof of your apartment complex. Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> see if you can you know put one on the roof of your apartment complex or see if you know you can you can start a community garden within your complex itself um you know there are lots of empty lots in in cities and it doesn't take but you know a phone call to say hey i want to you know hey to the city council or whatever do you mind if i use this quarter acre lot that has a bunch of junk on it you know i'll, I'll move the rocks i'll move the the beat up car mm-hmm. so i can plant a couple of trees and what that does is that starts to build your community. You, because there's gonna come a year, there's gonna come a time where you have a tree or uh, you know a pumpkin patch that just explodes, mm-hmm. and you have more pumpkins or lemons than you could even think of what to do with. And so you knock on your neighbor's door, hey, do you want a pumpkin? And now you started to build that community. You started to to take those real steps to show other people that you can you can put in work, you can put in effort and give to other people and see how your whole community can benefit. Awesome. So that's one. Yeah. Uh, then, so at the, that would be at the individual level, um, and then what we can do as people living in a, in a society that has a government is be way more active. Um, go out and protest any anything and everything that you could possibly want to protest. If if you have something that you strongly believe in, go get a piece of cardboard or or poster board, get a sharpie, write it on there, and sit out at a corner and show people that are passing by. You're gonna get people that agree with you. So be get... politically active. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean everything is political when yeah. you're talking about society. You know, down to down to down to puppies should be free. You know, if you think that everybody should be able to be entitled to a free puppy, if you think that everybody should be entitled to to three square meals a day, that's that is unfortunately in this day and age political. Yeah, that's controversial. That I, <laughs> right, that's not something I view as political. I don't think that it's political that that people should be able to live without having to produce something. I, I think there's this misunderstanding too. Like, literally everything is influenced by the the government in some way so everything is political in some form exactly and so yeah be politically active but be politically active in the things that you hold most dear because that's how you're going to find the people that most align with the things that you're looking for your values and exactly perspective somewhere to go right because if you're out there once a month you know first weekend of every month holding out that sign Eventually, somebody's going to go, hey, he's out there the first of every month. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. He's going to go out there too. Or yeah, or they're going to go, why are you out here? What is this all about? And they might agree. And exactly. And that's how you get started. And that's, again, how you build communities. That's how you start um, building what you call a parallel power structure, which is what you need to form a society in a place where it's already being oppressed by, like the government. So you you get to a point where you have all of your neighbors and all of your all of the people all of, you know all of your neighborhoods are all communicating with each other too. And that's essentially an anarchist society right there. The government can pass a new law all they want, but if you and your friends don't want to listen to it, how are they going to stop an entire group of neighborhoods? Let alone you know 
just you know it's it, well we I, know how right <laughs> and, but it's much harder right yes. and, and it's infinitely harder the more people that you get and so as you build and as you grow your community you grow in power you grow in strength and then you you talk to your your local government and you say hey these are the things that i want changed and then they don't change them and then you make a bigger stink about it or you know there's a park that needs some that needs some restoration and so you talk to city council hey this needs some restoration when can we get this done oh yeah we'll work on it they're inevitably not going to work on it and you'd bother them and you pester them and after a while you in your community you probably have somebody that knows how to restore that stuff so you get those you as a community get those resources pooled together and you get that renovated and then you go back hopefully with a bunch of people in the in the uh and journalists uh and you get them to go up with you and you go hey why didn't you do this thing you said that you would do this thing you told me months ago that you would get it handled why didn't you get it handled and following through yeah and then they'll tell you oh we'll get it handled we'll get it handled and you show them we already did it that is definitely a ridiculous aspect of our press currently they are not holding anybody accountable they're just following whatever is going on yeah and so if you get a camera and you get and and you get it on recording and you send that out and it's gonna go viral and everybody loves to see a a government official get owned and Mm -hmm. so that's gonna start showing that official hey you either need to own up to what you actually are saying, or I'm just going to keep embarrassing you like this. So start a garden, be politically active. Embarrass local government. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrass <laughs> local government. Shame them. Uh, let's Shame. let's uh, say accountability. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, fun that's too, a I nicer guess. way to put Whatever. it, I guess. <laughs> we, want this, we want this to be broad so that Absolutely. we can bring more people into the, the ideas. Maybe sometimes they need some eggs thrown at them, you know? They're, they're the figurative that was a joke. That's under be politically that was a joke. active. I'm not <laughs> talking about doing any harm to physical or physical harm to political people. Just no. That was a joke. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Federal Agents. And listening. from my understanding of uh, studying anarchism so far, accountability is baked into it as well you have to justify why you're doing what you're doing yeah that's what i said earlier i touched upon the whole um uh in anarchism you believe that your rights uh, um also hold responsibility yeah. uh, you know like your second amendment right you have the the right to bear arms but... so a lot of the people that were tried for crimes and eventually killed they attempted to justify what they did in court because that that was a principle for them mm-hmm and so uh, killdozer (laughs) right and it's you know you you at some point you have to understand that that people will take their people will take take action if they feel as though they're not being heard Mm -hmm. and uh, and so um you have that accountability like i was saying with the second amendment you have the you have the right to bear arms but you have the responsibility to do it correctly you know if yeah you can own a handgun all you want but if something were to happen and there's an errant discharge and somebody gets killed that's on you that's your gun that's your responsibility at the end of the day no matter how much people want to say that their rights are their rights and there's nothing about it you do still have that responsibility even at that fundamental level you know even even with your first amendment not yelling fire in a in a crowded movie theater right Right. not doing nothing about that is inherently illegal but you shouldn't do it. That's that causes chaos. It's going to harm somebody, and so it it violates the NAP for anarchists. Mm-hmm. So start a garden, be politically active, accountability. Um, 
did you have any further questions? I mean, probably save it if we ever do another segment right now. I don't know how much deeper you want to get into uh, it. Just like <laughs> closing. like Closing questions. No, I guess... My elevator pitch kind of thing. That's what I okay. mostly wanted. So, Did you have anything... Uh, any questions for us or like um i mean i i appreciate y'all letting me on i, yeah, I know that i know that the baby was uh, <laughs> a little intermittent in there but uh okay. the cameos are, are are nice right we needed no. some cuteness for such a heavy yeah, topic so guys, exactly. if, you, if you follow us on youtube go ahead and check it out you know you can go over and you can see cute little baby yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't have some any chaos to plug yet so, so. Like, i'll send you a picture of there you go. Thank you for reminding me. We need a picture of you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I keep forgetting every time. I'm just like, okay, I got to go on Facebook and find pictures of the guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I just thank you again for, for having me on. It's always fun talking with you too. And it's, it was a blast uh, trying to propagandize myself against the government. <laughs> yeah, thank you for You'll being be getting on. a call here thank within you, 48 thank hours. You for having, <laughs> thank you for having the courage to speak about what you believe in such an informed way. Yeah. Absolutely. It helps other people figure out what... Especially with the views of anarchy as they are. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, yeah. Especially culturally right now. Yeah. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. It's it's like I said, it's always fun and uh, you know, you like I said, you can kill a person but you can't kill an idea. So. Exactly. Absolutely. Now that it's out there. <laughs> the seeds have been sown. <laughs> All right. Well we're gonna start closing it out then. So thank you again, Jimmy. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I wanna thank the crew as well. Thank you. Cameras. <laughs> Cameras. So you can find more episodes of Your Thoughts Podcast on Spotify, Apple. Uh, please subscribe and please search for it because I, I'm assuming that would influence the algorithm as well and help us show up. Um, you can search us online as well, yourthoughtspodcast.com. We do own that domain. So if you search us for uh, through there, that'll also influence the algorithms. The further you do that, the more people will see and then these ideas can spread or we can at least have conversations about where we disagree on them. Um, Check out Your Thoughts Podcast on Facebook, Your Thoughts Pod on Twitter. Um, Smash that motherfucking like button. Smash. (laughs) Like, share, and subscribe, of course. Uh, Bring five stars. Sharing is a great way to organically influence uh, other people to maybe check us out, and that'll that'll help us as well. your thoughts podcast on YouTube. I'm pretty sure that's all the socials. Yeah, that is awesome. Thank you guys again. Much Thank appreciated. You. And that concludes your thoughts podcast. <laughs>